Psalm 23, doing a summer psalm series, and I'm just kind of picking and choosing different psalms. Last, the first psalm we did was Psalm 1, the other psalm we did was Psalm 8. Uh, today we're probably in the most common psalm, or the most familiar psalm uh, that people have read. You've seen this in movies, if you've been to any funeral uh, most likely it's been read. I've read them at funerals. The last funeral we did, it was read and used. Uh, this is such a familiar psalm. But the encouragement or the challenge is don't let familiarity bring neglect. Just because we're so familiar with this, the, the, the world could probably quote this psalm. There's nuggets in here. All the Bible's milk and all the Bible's meat. It just depends on where you're at with the Lord. This could have been milk to you at one time. I'm praying today, maybe it'll be a little bit more than that. Maybe it'll be meat to you. So Psalm 23, if you're there, starting at verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. Say that to yourself internally. The Lord is my shepherd. It's my shepherd. It's my shepherd. I shall not want. I think that's interesting. I have a lot of I have a lot of wants, right? I want a muscle car. That's a want. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But when you find your contentment in Christ, he meets your needs, right? He's a need meter, and those wants become less desirable. Because you get your contentment from Christ and you're, you're realizing that in Christ I have all that I ever need. And so your wants actually change. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me, look at this. This is an action here. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. God puts us to bed. <laughs> you ever think about that? As a shepherd, as a, as a good, good father, you know what a parent will do as a good, good mother? Put your kids to bed, right? You tell them, it's not good for you to stay up all night, right? I know, I know Adam recently, <laughs> he drank um, an energy drink at like 10 at night, and I'm like, that's a bad idea, you know? <laughs> and um, I'm not putting down my son Adam because I love him to death, but um, he was up all night, Right? And then, of course, you have to recover. You have, but as our good, good shepherd, as our good, good father, he makes us to lie down. And here's where he makes us to lie down, at green pastures. These, these are the places of rest, the places of nourishment. And maybe we don't want to be uh, put to bed there or be made to rest there. Maybe well, we want to go to artificial turf or we want to run to a different place. But God makes us as a shepherd, if we're, if we're in tune to his voice, he makes us to lie down in places that are good for us. He causes us to rest when we need it. And he leads me. Look at how personal that is. He leads you. He leads me beside the still waters. And these waters aren't raging. They're not aggressive. They're not dangerous. Um, <clears throat> they're pure. They're pure waters. They're they're nourishing, they're safe, they're sound. And you can see that this is all restful. Um, and Jesus will do that. So verse three, he restores my soul. 
And that's the reason, you know, we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Where God lives is your spirit. You're born again there. He's united to you there. He that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But our soul, our emotions, you ever feel anxiety? You ever feel depressed? You ever feel angry? You ever feel mad? You ever feel bitter? You ever feel jealous? You know where that is? Not your spirit. <laughs> it's in your soul. And so... All of those emotions, you know, and, and I think God, is, to borrow a secular phrase, he wants to give us emotional intelligence. He wants us to be able to identify these things that are coming at us because you can't stop the ticker tape of your mind. And so he wants to restore our soul. He wants to bring rest to our emotions. He wants to bring us sound, a sound mind, so to speak. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he'll lead me in a way that's glorifying to God, but yet good for me at the same time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever feel like dark times have happened? You ever look back at dark times? You ever think like, are you ever anxious or afraid of the dark times that may come in the future? Right? So though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Easier said than done, right? So we're going to talk about that too. For thou art with me. There's the comfort. There's the promise. So God doesn't just send you down the road and say good luck. Like someone at the starting line, right? <laughs> Slap on the butt, you know, like a coach. Hey, good game. Go, go for it. I'll see you at the end, right? He, he's not like that. He's with us from the beginning to the end and all the in-between. He says... Um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, God's a provider. He's a shepherd. Um, he's a shield. He's safety. Um, he's sufficient. He meets our needs. Thou anoint my head with oil. Um, of course, oil is always usually a picture of the Holy Spirit, and we've all received the anointing of the Holy Spirit if you've, if you've received Christ. And he says, my cup runs over. And think about that. We are containers, and we contain the life of God. And we have all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. You have 100% of God, which means you have 100% access to joy, 100% access to peace, 100% access to anything you could think of in the person and the presence of Christ. Your cup, you as a person, contains the entire life of God. And when you shake a cup, whatever's in the cup splashes out of the cup, right? And if your cup's running over and it's full, the question I ask myself is, what's splashing out of my cup, right? When you get bumped <laughs> along life's road, what splashes out? A lot of times it's anger, it's bitter, it's the fruit of the flesh. It's not the fruit of the spirit. So we'll just think about these things as, as by way of an application, but we have God's fullness. The question is, are we living from that fullness? Are we splashing out of this cup, that fullness? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy is a person. He's in us. He's with us, and we're going to be with him throughout all of eternity. And that's good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide us as the good shepherd, as the good teacher, as the actual teaching. 
I pray that we would learn of you and learn about our relationship and how we relate to you as we walk by faith in this world. I pray for those that couldn't be here. Again, I pray for uh, Debbie as she's out with with family, and I pray for Alvin uh, and his recovery and all those that couldn't be with us. I pray for Keith's safe return as well. Um, I pray for this church. I pray for this message. I pray that we would impact this community with the message of Christ and his love and his grace. I pray this in his name. Amen. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You ever think about us as sheeple? <laughs> I, I think about that. I had a radio show in college. It was a call-in talk radio show, and I called it We the Cattle. Um, but, you know, it's a take on We the People. But you ever think about sheep and people? God likens us to sheep. And I, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, um, uh, sheep are probably the most helpless animals God ever created, if you think about it. They can't outrun their enemies. They don't have any defenses. They can't rescue themselves from being stuck. Even if they have four-wheel drive, right? Sheep do. They have four-wheel drive, right? But they could get stuck in mud and be just, they could die in that position. And so they're so, God created them to be absolute dependent creatures. They're not self-sufficient. They're not self-reliant. They're not self-made. They're not self-sustaining. They need their shepherd. And I think God uses that illustration to put us to a place of realizing that without Christ, I can do nothing. So he, he wants us to really identify with this metaphor that we're sheep, he's the shepherd, and we're dependent. You know, you know who looks like a sheep that's super independent? A goat. <laughs> Goats could eat anything. You ever, I remember I was in this band, this rock and roll band one time, and we met in this, we, we practiced and rehearsed in this single wide trailer that had the, the back wheels were knocked off, and so it was at a slope. It was the weirdest thing. And, um, <laughs> and they had this one light, and it was, we're all standing sideways, and I, I just remember that. But every time I'd go in there, there was this goat that would just try to eat my clothes, it eats everything, and... It's just a dirty creature. Goats are hideous. I, God's creatures. No, no offense, goats. Um, but, I mean, goats could climb mountains. They could stand on a, like, uh, you know, you'd say that car could turn on a dime. A goat could be on a cliff standing on a dime holding its balance. Sheep can't do that, right? Sheep are like, I'm dumb. <laughs> um, and God doesn't call us the goats of his pasture right? Because goats are independent. But how many sheep, even though you're a sheep, live like goats, right? It's true. I do. Independent. I don't need you, shepherd. I got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to goat my way through this situation because I'm not a sheep, right? <laughs> but then you, you soon find out you're a sheep. You're, you're totally dependent. You need the good shepherd. Look at what the Bible says here in uh, John chapter uh, 10. So the Bible says this, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. Um, when he has brought all of his, his own, he goes before them. He goes before them and the sheep follow them for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him 
for they know not the voice of strangers. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. There's the good shepherd. But notice the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Um, Jen and I have this friend named Jerry Benjamin, and he told the story. He's a pastor, a friend of mine. I've known him for years. Uh, he told the story of spending time in New Zealand. And if you know anything about New Zealand besides Flight of the Concords, if you know anything about New Zealand, um, you'll know that there's more sheep there than there are people, right? And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic they have there. But he said he was with his uh, uncle uh, for the summer, and as he was there, his uh, uncle had a bunch of sheep, right? And, and his, uh, his uncle had, what would you, well, a shepherd, right? So he kind of shepherded a bunch of sheep, and he went out every day in the morning and did this certain yell in, in a New Zealand accent, which I'm not going to try to imitate, right? Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, it was more like it's British. Hey, sheep. Hey, sheep. So, and the sheep would come, right? They would know the voice of the good shepherd. And Jerry tells this story. He's like, I'd try to get up before my uncle and go out and call the sheep because I thought it was really cool. And he'd do, hey, sheep, hey, sheep. And they wouldn't come, right? Because Jesus knows that just this is life. This is life in creation the way the creator designed it. Sheep are dumb. They're helpless. And they're dependent, but one thing they are is they're loyal and they will listen to the good shepherd and they know his voice and they won't follow a stranger. But how many times have you been fooled by another voice? Or how many times have you like, I don't know if that's Jesus or not, right? So the way to get familiar with the good shepherd's voice is to get in the good shepherd's book and to get around other sheep and to talk to the good shepherd and have him talk back to you. And the more you commune with the good shepherd, the more you're familiar with this voice and the other voices you will be able to discern and say, that's not the good shepherd's voice. Right? Amen. Because there's a wolf out there in sheep's clothing that wants to give you other voices that are not from the good shepherd. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Next part he says is, I shall not want. And we talked about this, wants versus needs. But we get all of our needs met from trusting in the good shepherd. When we live a trusting and depending life in the good shepherd, he is sufficient to save and to sustain us and to meet all of our needs. He is the ultimate need meter. Jesus created us to get our needs met from our relationship with the good shepherd, the savior. Look, you try to goat life, you know what I mean? You try to do the goat life thing and get your needs met independent as a goat. Goats don't need shepherds. Goats just get it done. Goats, they live independent. They go do it. They just, they sustain themselves. They eat garbage. Um, they're just, they're trashy. They're trashy sheep. <laughs> I almost said white trash sheep, but they're, they're not sheep. They're just, and I'm, why am I picking on the goats so much? You're like, are you a goatist? You sound anti-goat. Um, all I'm trying to say is the goats are independent. They don't need the shepherd. The sheep are dependent and we get all of our needs met and our wants won't be as, as demanding to us personally because 
will, will be self will be sustained in a satisfying relationship with Christ. I love, love, love this passage. You'll, you'll immediately identify with it. You've read it before. But look with me, if you would, at Philippians chapter 4. He says, Not that I shall speak in regard to need, and he's writing from prison. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Selah, stop. In prison, dungeon situation, about ready to get his head chopped off. He doesn't know if he's ever going to leave. I have learned whatsoever state I'm in to be content. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain that we'll bring nothing out. Naked I came in and naked I'll leave. Right? Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatsoever state I'm in to be content, to be content in your relationship with Christ and who he is and and all he means to you and what it means for him to live with you and through you. And I, he says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how to be rich and poor. This sounds like a marriage vow for sickness and health and richer and poor. He just knows everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great verse, right? So, so good that, um, was it, uh, John Jones has it across his chest. <laughs> if you watch UFC, he just won, by the way. Update, spoiler alert. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Amen? These are phenomenal thoughts. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Paul knew that. And that's what he's saying. He's getting his needs met from his relationship from Christ. Here's my, my wife's favorite quote. If you could put this quote up here. Where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. This is not her favorite quote. I'm being sarcastic. Because when we first got married, um, our pastor would always quote this. And um, she would always make fun of it like uh, in, a, in a nice way. You know, it was kind of an inside joke. But we both made fun of it because he would always say it all the time, all the time. And um, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get you a bumper sticker, babe. You know what it's going to say? Where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. But it's still true. It is so true. Where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. It's, it's not a rap, right? <laughs> These are truths. Uh, it's not in the Bible. Don't go look for it. But it's true right? Uh, where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. And he makes me to lie down at green pastures, verse 2 of Psalm 23. And he leads me beside the, besides the still water. Look, I said this before, but the Lord knows how to put us to bed. He knows when to put us to bed. Just as a, a loving parent puts their kids to sleep, Jesus does the same for us. We may, we may not like where he decides to put us to bed, but he does it for our good and for his glory. But he knows we need rest. He knows that. And so he's the one that says, night, night, lights out. <laughs> right? <clears throat> so the green pastures he makes us to, to lie down may not be our landscape of choice or our preference of geography, but it's the best medicine for us to grow us and to feed us and to nurture us in his grace. 
and in his knowledge of who he is, right? So God puts you in a place, an area, a geography, a green pasture. I know a lot of people want to move out of California. Can I just say, just stay. <laughs> we just got here. Don't move, right? Um, but God has you here. He knows, he knows your geography. He knows your green pasture situation. And if he's putting you to rest, if he's putting you here, um, I guess the next thought is in this place of rest, this is where we get replenished. This is where we learn. And I don't think this verse is up there, but it's Psalm 4610, one of my favorite Psalms. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that he is God. And it's in this place where there's still waters and it's green pasture and he puts us to bed and we get to realize, oh, I, I, okay, it's cool. I'm with God. He's got this. One of my favorite quotes from my wife on my um, dry erase board in my old office was, God's got it, yo. <laughs> God's got it, yo. I loved that phrase. And, and this, this one lady, would, she was a little bit challenged, uh, mentally challenged, and she would always come into the office and, and talk with me. And she's like, Neil, you got to change that. you got to change that. That's not, that. God's got it, you. She thought there needed to be a you at the end. And I'm like, no, no, it's correct. God's got it, yo. <laughs> right? um, but when we're put to rest, we get to, we get to be still and know that God's got it. He's got it. He's got your back. He's got your best interest. So this green pasture um, and this grass that will feed us has no pesticides, has no growth hormones, it has no GMOs. Um, and this green pasture that he's causing us to feed from is actually a someone, not necessarily a somewhere. Right? Think about who, who gives you nutrients. Who is it? It's Jesus. He is the green pasture. So it might not be on the globe that you're thinking, like you could spin a globe and I want to move there and then I'm going to find green pastures and still water. Guess what? It's not a somewhere, it's a someone. He is the still water. He is the green pasture. He is the nutrients that we need. And so he, the next phrase is that he causes me or he leads me by, by still waters. So he causes me to sleep by still waters and these waters are clean also they're not you ever seen a swampy water you ever seen survival shows and people try to drink water and then they get really really sick because they have to boil it first and treat the water there's a lot that goes into you need water you need water or else you're going to die you're made of water most of the globe's water you need water water's a big deal right <laughs> but there's there's some bad water out there too but Jesus, as the good shepherd, he's going to give us water that's not contaminated. In other words, the still water that he leads us to, is not gonna, you're not going to get Girardia from it. Right? It's going to be a, a mosquito-free situation because it's not a swamp. right? Eric, would you love to go fishing in like a, a swamp the size of it? Maybe for bass, I don't know. But, or catfish. There's just a difference between... A swamp is a breeding ground for death, whereas lakes and rivers and streams that have ebb and flow and cleanliness. I remember this lake that we would go to in Utah. It was, it was in this, this um, valley. It was like five, 6,000 feet elevation, and the mountains went up even higher to like 10, 11, 12, snow-capped. Then the, the snow would run into this, um, this uh, reservoir. They built a dam. Um, <clears throat> 
And the, the river that went through it was where the river uh, was by Sundance. The, have you guys ever seen where the river runs through it? Robert Redford's fly fishing movie. It was filmed there, all, in, that, all inspired. But the water was so freezing cold. I remember we got a boat, and I'm like, kids, get in the water. I've got this boat to have fun. Now get out there. And they're like, no, Dad, I don't want to get in the water. I'm like, yes, get. We're having fun. I got inner tubes and wakeboards. Get in the water. Until I got in the water, and I'm like, whoa, this thing is frigid. It was snow water, right? But it was so clear and crisp and clean. And I just think Jesus has our best interest uh, when he talks about he leads us to still waters. So look with me, if you would, in John chapter 7. Look at this. Metaphorically speaking, he's going to use water as an illustration. He says, on the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and, and he shouted and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Indicator, Jesus is your water. He's your life, living water. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit uh, who those believing in him would receive. This is a great tucked away passage. I don't know if this is on people's radar a lot because um, it's, you know, it's kind of in a weird section of the chapter, but Jesus just stands up and John is inspired of the spirit to put this, uh, this record this message that Jesus gave. And he says, if you're thirsty, get your needs met from Jesus. He is the source. And when you receive him, you receive living uh, the living waters. And then from you, you could now give what you freely got to other people and they could have living water. See how that works? And I think part of our thing with going into the park <clears throat> is being salty. Remember Jesus said, be the salt. You're the salt and the light. Uh, of, and part of being salty is not getting like, man, are you salty? I think part of being salty is your life and your lips, hopefully they match, is such a way that's countercultural to the way of the world that your life and your lips is such a way that people, you, you get them a little thirsty, right? Because salt makes people thirsty. And if, you, and if you're salty around people, like in a good way, um, people want, they want to know where to get this water. And we have it, and we know where to go. We know how to lead people to the, the water source. I'm pretty stoked about that. Anyways. Revelation 7, check this one out. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne uh, will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. Boom. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right? He makes me to lie down on green pastures. He leads me besides the still water. Look at Revelation. I think the, the verse reference is wrong, and that's my bad. But look at the next slide, Revelation. It should be chapter 22. Um, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And the spirit and the bride say, look at God's last closing invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come. Yeah, the water's good. Water's clean. Water's free. Water's for everyone. Come and let him who hear, hears say, come, and let him that thirst come. Whosoever de uh, desires, let him take of the water of life freely. 
freely you've received, freely give. You have the water of life. You're not the water of life, but you contain it in your cup and it runs over. Does it run over to other people? Because you freely received it. Don't be a water hoarder, right? Don't be a water hoarder. Give your water out. Show people where to get the water. Point them to the, you know, point them to Christ. He restores my soul. I got to speed up a little bit. Verse three, he restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So he saved our spirit and in our spirit, we are righteous, redeemed, renewed, and good to go with God. But in our soul, we're all kind of crazy, right? Am I speaking just to myself? In my soul, I'm all kind of crazy. Boop, 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 boop. Am I the only one? You know what this means, right? <laughs> I don't do that to my spirit, but in my soul, yeah, a little, little kooky. That's why I need you. That's why you need me. That's why I need the church. That's why you need the church. That's why you need the Bible. That's why you need prayer. That's why you need iron that sharpens iron. That's why you need older men to teach younger men and older ladies to teach younger ladies. I wasn't looking at you. I was looking over you. Um, that's why we need each other to encourage one another because my soul is all kind of crazy right? There's no avoiding stinking thinking. Uh, and there's no way to turn off the self-conscious, condemning, critiquing ticker tape that runs through all of our minds daily. Do you know how to turn it off? You probably know how to medicate it, right? Some people know how to anesthetize it, but it never stops. So what we need is like a soul adjustment. We need like a fine tuning. We need a constant alignment. Um, our spirit's good to go, but our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, they, they need to be brought into check. They needed to be updated. They need to be challenged and encouraged. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, for, we, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day, day by day, day by day. This interior life. I know we spend a lot of time on our exterior life, how I look. Um, you know, we'll spend money and time and all of on our exterior life. Very little investment goes into the interior life. And he's saying our outward man's perishing, but the, the inner man, the interior life can be renewed day by day as we cooperate uh, with Christ. Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Right? That's what we're doing right now. We're just, we're, we're getting aligned. We're getting renewed. Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? The world wants to conform you, Christ, and they can only come from the outside in. Christ wants to transform us, and it starts from the inside out. You know, if you allow your spirit where his spirit is, remember we just read, he that believes on him should receive his spirit, that born againness. When he came in to make his home and his abode in your cup, and he's now joined to you, right? Now you could, when the spirit, when the shepherd tells you something that's true, and it's in your spirit, you know it. You know it, you have a choice to do with your soul, your will. You could have your spirit tell your soul what's up. That's the way it works. Your spirit says, this is true, this is true, this is true. And now your mind has to decide, do I want to go with that? Do I believe that? Do I want to walk in faith in that? Do I want to trust that? You know, do I, does that register? And your soul is all kind of crazy, but your spirit wants to tell your soul what's up. 
we often think like you get it in your head and you push it down to your heart. It's, and it's not the, that's not the way it works. Your spirit goes to your soul and then you decide in your soul if you're going to go with the spirit. That's the voice of the good shepherd, right? And when you say yes to the voice of the good shepherd and your soul gets along with the program and you're hearing good stuff right now in your spirit and if your spirit and you're bearing witness with the voice of the good shepherd in your spirit, you can leave here in your soul and say, I'll just go live like a goat. Or you could say, I'll just I'll follow the good shepherd. I'll, I'll listen to his voice. I'll lean into the good shepherd, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll establish that relationship and I'll go with that and not the, not the former. So he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So when we're listening to the loving leading voice of our good shepherd, he will lead us to a life that's consistent with our righteous new nature. He will then, he will lead our activity to reflect our new righteous identity in Christ. And it says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. I don't think this verse is on the screen, but in my notes, Colossians 3.17 sticks out to me. Whatsoever we do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17. Whatever we do, VBS, behind the scenes stuff, cooking for VBS, cleaning up, plunging toilets, three that were stopped up, <laughs> the nastiest, hideous, most... I heard the bubonic plague is coming to L.A. because of all the rats. And I'm like, I think it's ground zero. It's in the bathroom the other night. That's where it's starting. <laughs> it was so nasty. Anyways, um, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And then verse 4 of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This sounds like a rap. The, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, <clears throat> for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And think about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So the good shepherd does not remove the presence of conflict. Instead, he, promise, he promises to lead us and guide us through it. And look at this quote. Hopefully you've heard some version of this quote before. The truth is timeless. Um, Peace is not the absence of trials, troubles, and tribulations. Peace is the presence of Christ. Amen. Peace isn't just getting your circumstances to go from bad to good and then you experience peace. No, Paul's writing from prison and he wasn't removed from prison, yet he had peace and he, was, he had joy because you can't take that from just giving you bad circumstances. You can't. You can't get rid of the good shepherd who lives with you and goes with you through the valley, uh, through the dark times, through the bad seasons, through the droughts, through the sickness, through the poverty, through all of it. He's with you all the way. And it's not just I'll have peace once the, you know, the, the bad gets better or we remove. The, and God knows, too, like he he is the God of all comfort. He wants to be in it with you and uh, he, he wants to, uh, f to know his presence through this. And I was thinking of this verse in Mark chapter 9, and you'll know this story or this uh, event. And there was a great windstorm that arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that uh, it was already filling. And I'd actually been on this lake where this 
body of water where this took place. And I was thinking about that too, because I was out on a boat in the, in the middle of this place. And I thought, huh, interesting. Um, but he was with, he, Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke and said unto him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? You ever feel like Jesus is asleep in the midst of your trials? You're like, okay, he helps other people out, but right now he's asleep. He's asleep on the job for me. You ever feel like that? So they're like, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? That's kind of an interesting question because <laughs> that would mean that he was perishing too. But just think about how calm Jesus is. He, he knows every single H2O molecule in the water, and they listen to him. H2O listens to Jesus, I don't know how many molecules are in here, right? But God knows every single one of them. He made them all. And so he's asleep in a boat that's made of wood that he also made. He knows all the fish that are swimming. He knows all, he knows the, he knows the particulates that, of the wind. He made the wind. He, he's, he's the one that rotated the earth. He knows all of it. And he seems to not... They think, well, he doesn't care, but he's in command of it all. And I think, I think the takeaway, we're going to go through bad times. Bad things happen to good Christians all the time. And it might seem like Jesus is asleep, but your good shepherd in this valley of the shadow of death, even though he may seem silent to you, he's, he's very much alive. He's very much awake. He's very much aware. And he doesn't want you to be afraid. Look at what he says. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, peace, be still. So the prince of peace is telling things that are tumultuous and turbulent. Peace showed up and said, be still, right? He can command peace because that's who he is. He is peace. And so again, peace isn't the absence of trials. It's the presence of the prince of peace. That's peace. And then he arose, he rebuked the wind, and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said unto them, Why are you so afraid? Do you not have any faith? And do you ever feel like that? Like, yeah, well, cool. You know, like, <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Um, and I think Jesus is just reminding us of who he is. He's got it. God's got it, yo. God's got it, yo. Right? It's probably the best quote of the day, best quote of the year. God's got it, yo. So my wife and I are having this talk last night. We're sitting out. We call it the grotto. Oh, yeah, we have a pool. We have an above-ground pool. We're thinking about hiring someone to do some service on it, but it's about 10 feet wide, 3 feet deep, so we're hanging out by the pool. Um, I thought it was dead because I thought the cat scratched it because it was leaked out the other day, but... It, don't worry, I fixed it. Uh, pool party. Um, just kidding. Um, but we were having this conversation, and my wife was saying, you know what? It's just weird how sometimes we think um, God can't, God will never give us uh, more than we could handle. And she's, she brought up an interesting point in that she says, God allows everything into our life that we can't handle. And I thought, you're exactly right. Think about it. We're sheep. We can't handle anything. And we're built that way so that in every single situation, we would see ourselves 
as dependent creatures upon the shepherd. If that's a goat mentality, like I got everything until, oh, it's too hard and then I need help. That's a goat mentality. A sheep mentality is I can't do anything. I am so dependent. I don't got this at all. I don't got it figured out. I don't got work figured out. I don't got finances figured out. I think I do. I think I got a lot of things figured out. I don't. And once we start to realize how dependent we are and how kind of like uh, helpless we are, then we start to trust in the tender, leading, guiding goodness of the shepherd, right? So, yeah, we're always gonna we're we're just we're always gonna be in a place uh, of need. So, he says, "Your rod and your staff comfort me," and I want to just say this, and I'm wrapping this up here. Um, your rod and your staff. Uh, they comfort me. Jesus is our comfort. He's our spiritual rod. He's our spiritual staff. Uh, he gives me all that I need uh, to, you know, um, he's my helper. So the sooner we realize the battle is not ours, but the Lord's, is the sooner we'll stop employing weapons of the flesh and start trusting in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's our shield. He's the sword of the spirit. He's our defense and he's our defender. So this is trusting in um, a someone rather than a something. We're not trusting in things or something. We're trusting in someone. And again, this is the dependent life. This is the sheeple life. Like that word, sheeple? We're sheep, people and sheep at the same time. So look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray that the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And... When you receive Christ, who did you receive? The comforter, right? So I know he seems distant sometimes. I know he seems like he's asleep in the back of the boat. I know the waves seem pretty high at times. I know like the going through the valley of the shadow of death seems really dark a lot of times. But you have the presence of the comforter. And look at this. Because there is light at the end of the tunnel, because there are valleys and there are mountaintops, look at this next passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. If you're the God of something, right? If you're the God of wisdom, if you're the God of whatever, you own it, right? <laughs> look who owns comfort. God, he, has a, he has the corner market. 100% owns comfort. You're not going to find comfort in another resource. You might be duped into thinking you're going to get comfort from something or somewhere or something else, but he's got it. God's got it, yo, and he's got all comfort. He's the God of it. And he comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Probably seems like the worst things have happened to you in life, right? And in the rearview mirror, sometimes the objects are closer than they appear, but when you look back, you realize, you know what? The comforter had that. His grace was sufficient. It was more than I could handle. I, at that moment, was broken and needy and dependent. And those are the times where I prayed the most, right? You could think back in your own scenarios of what happened in your life. And, and you, but here's the, here's the encouraging thing. God comforted you. Yeah? And now he's seeing you then with that same comfort or else are also able to comfort others by the same comfort wherewith you were comforted, right? This is kind of passing along 
hey, God did this for me. I know he could do this for you, right? God was faithful, uh, and I know he'll be faithful to you, right? So for those of you that have lived life and gone through some valleys of shadow of death and all that kind of stuff, you know this is true. You know that verse is true. You totally know it's true. You're looking in the rearview mirror. You totally know it's true. And then you see young people, young married couples, and they're going through you know, problems, right? You could pass along. You could give out what's been given to you because you have the God of all comfort, and he comforts us in all of our affliction, not even the little time. Like, is it would you be a good parent if you're, if your little, if your little three-year-old tripped, skinned, uh, skinned her knee, and came running and crying, and you're like, "Get out of here! It's just a scrape on your knee, you little idiot!" Like it's the biggest deal to them, right? I mean, <clears throat> the earth has stopped because they've scraped their knee. Um, and so, what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter. Everyone has a different pain tolerance. I have a pastor friend of mine. I was going through a hard time. And this guy, I felt really bad. He's like, he's in a he's in the hospital for his daughter who has had 26 surgeries. And he's like, well, Neil, um, today's a good day. They didn't have to poke and find her vein um, that much today, this time. And he, the next week, was going to get major surgery. And I had this little scrape on my knee. And I'm like, um... <laughs> I said, sorry for crying on your shoulder a little bit. He's like, Neil, don't worry about it. He's like, my pain and your pain, your pain's real to you. And it seems like, you know, cause that's your pain. My pain's different, right? And it's real to me. And he was comforting me. He, he had so much pain and trauma. If, you, if I were to tell you all this, you know, uh, on top of that, their house got flooded from a hurricane. Cause he lives in Louisiana, <clears throat> just totally gone gone right so he's displaced from his house and another state because of his daughter all and then he's getting surgery they don't have a home they don't even know if their insurance is going to pay him out he's like don't worry about it neil basically can i quote your wife god's got it yo <laughs> so he comforts us right um and let me go on and and he says this you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You prepare a table before me before my enemies, and you anoint my head, and my cup runs over. Because of who we are, united and led by Christ, he anoints us with this spirit. We have everything, and we lack nothing. Our cups run over. But what are we doing with the overflow? What does the splash look like? What are the contents of the splash? Bitterness, anger, jealousy, gossip. Uh, resentfulness, um, you know, is that, is that what splashes out? Or peace, love, joy, gentleness, meekness, uh, contentment, uh, forgiveness, right? Your cup is full. And hopefully when you get bumped and splashed and rattled in life, the goodness of God is going to overflow to others around you. And so you just got to ask, are others, uh, do others benefit from our blessed relationship with Christ, right? Do others, are others benefited when we're, when, we're, when we're hit and our cup splashes? Do others get benefited or do they get not benefited? <laughs> so we could start to walk 
in situations now because we have everything and our cups overflow we can start looking for situation and look for we can look for ways to be a blessing rather than looking for ways to get a blessing look at this quote if you would um we can now learn to be others oriented why because our cup overruns free from a christian life of acquisition you know you just need to get bigger faster stronger for god free from that and free from a utilitarian approach, usages of others, because of the fullness we already have in Christ. In other words, utilitarian is the idea like, well, I'm only going to have a relationship with you so I could get something from you. That's utilitarian, right? You're just using, using, using. But when you realize how full you are in Christ, you don't need to acquire and you don't need to use. You're just on the giving side because you have everything in Christ and you lack nothing. That's freedom. This is the freedom I've been talking about. And I know that the immediate kickback when you talk about freedom is that you're just going to be free and go out and freak out and do whatever you want. It's the opposite. It's not what you're free to go do. It's uh, who I'm free to. I'm free to the Lord and I'm free from like, you know, self um, condemnation and self, all that kind of selfism. And I could then get my eyes off myself because I'm not trying to get bigger, faster, and stronger, more accepted to God. I already am. So when I realize my identity in Christ, the activity then is now it becomes others-oriented because that's a, that's a Christ life. He, it's a sacrificial life. It's a crossified life. <laughs> the cross represents not my will, but your will be done. And when, when we understand that our cup runs over and that he prepares a table for me and that he's a good, good father and a good, good shepherd, we're now free to be others-oriented. We're free to be givers rather than getters. Why? What do you need? If you have everything in Christ, what, what do you need? Right? What do you need? Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do you need? If your cup runs over, if you have everything, he comforts you, you know he's never going to leave you nor forsake you, what do you need? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you not have faith? Do you not believe these things? Right? Why are you afraid? I'm afraid all the time, Jesus. <laughs> I'm stinking afraid all the time. <laughs> I can't stop stinking thinking. I need the church. I need, I need fellowship with my wife. I need to pray. I need to read the Bible. Right? I need fellowship with you. We need each other. Right? Um, and so all this comes into play. And then the last verse here, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy is a who that follows us, not a what. The one who is good and the one who is merciful, he's the God of goodness. There's none good but God, right? There's none merciful but God. He, he's the God of mercy. It's okay to say that. It's not, you know, we're not idolizing. I'm not idolizing goodness. Merciful is not my God, but my God is merciful. He, and it follows us, and he leads us, and he directs us, and he abides with us for now and forevermore. So we're not only promised eternal life in the house of God in heaven, but God has made our heart his house here on earth. That's an interesting thought if you think about it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're promised eternal life in the house of God in heaven. We know that. But God has made our heart his house here on earth. You're his abode. He's abiding with you. The God of comforts hanging out with you. The shepherd 
is in you. The question is, we're going to leave here in a moment. Are we going to tune in, you know, are we going to tune in to the voice of the good shepherd and start to realize I'm a sheep. I, I need you. I need to hear your voice. I can't do this. I can't, I can't live as a goat. It's just too hard. I need you. That's, that's where the hoofs meet the road. I was going to say the rubber meets the road. <laughs> do sheep have hoofs? Do they have hoofs? Uh, whatever. Who, who cares? So no matter where or what our circumstances we find ourselves in, let's learn to be at home in the Father because home is where the heart is and the Father, the shepherd, the comforter is in your heart. Home is where the heart is? Guess where God is? Guess where he lives? Boom. So in conclusion, is the Lord your shepherd? Are you saved? Have you been born again? Have you received Christ? Has he, have you asked him to come into your heart? Have you said, I'm not getting to heaven on my own? I, I know I'm not good enough for God's heaven. I'm not perfect. I've, I know I've messed up. I know I've fallen short. Have you received Christ? Is the Lord your shepherd? Has he come into your heart? Has he made his home in your heart? <clears throat> if you have, and he, and he has become your Lord, is he your shepherd? In other words, are you letting him lead you? Right? Or are we living independent? Do we allow him to lead us to still waters in the green pastures, or do we got it figured out? Which is just artificial turf, and the still waters are swampy and with mosquitoes and malaria and gerardia, whatever. Are we growing and learning to trust the Prince of Peace in the good times and in the bad times? And are we experiencing his fullness? Amen? Hopefully this was encouraging to you. And I know you're familiar with Psalm 23, but maybe you've taken some things that the Lord's deposited a little bit different. And whatever that is between you and your shepherd, you need to hear his voice, right? So let's, let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, love you. Love my wife. Love my kids. I love my church. I love my country. Um, help us, Lord, to be dependent sheep, listening to your voice as the good shepherd. Thank you that you meet all of our needs, that you're, you guide us, you protect us, uh, you're with us in the good times and in the bad. Um, but help us to lean into you. Lord, as John laid on your chest and was so close, uh, you live inside of our chest, but Lord, help us to lean in to you and just to know your heartbeat and to know your voice more and more each day. And I pray that for myself and my kids and everyone here, Lord. Um, I know the world's going to come at us right when we leave these doors. It's the voices are going to come at us and they're contrary, uh, but help us to dial in to the voice of the good shepherd because another we don't want to follow and i pray that for me and the church in jesus name amen